Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we're talking about episode five of Survivor 41, The Strategist or The Loyalist. This is a dense episode. Mm. Uh, Let's start off with some high level thoughts. What did you think? I loved it. I was, yeah, coming in with a positive attitude this week after getting some feedback (laughs) about my negativity. Um, No, but in all seriousness, I really, really thought that you, you hit the nail on the head. Just super dense. A lot happened, and a lot of things that had been laid out previously in the first four episodes uh, sort of played out in a unexpected way, which we'll get to. Like, there, mm-hmm. there, some of those things came to a head. I also feel like we got some new relationships formed in this episode, which I think we were really needing. Um, and I think that we sort of have set ourselves up very nicely for whatever was teased that's going to happen next week, whether that be a merge or a swap or something is going to shake things up. And I think this episode definitely left us with the most exciting, on the most exciting note possible. Um, How did you feel about it? Yeah, I thought it was good. I'm feeling like a little bit conflicted because I'm having maybe an identity crisis because I uh, obviously hate all of the advantages. Uh, I have been hating on the three-way idol. I have been hating on the extra votes. I've been hating on whatever else they're throwing out there. And we're seeing a new advantage in this episode, which we will get to. And yet, I think that they all came together to give us some really interesting dynamics uh, in what should be otherwise a very predictable episode. And exactly. which what it was a very predictable episode in terms of who was getting voted out. Uh, so I thought they did, I think, you know, credit to the editors on this one. I think that they really worked with what they had and gave us a pretty good end product. Yeah. So maybe we can get into some of the details here. Do you want to say something? Well, just one last thing I want to add before we get into it. I do think, not to go negative, but one thing to look at about this episode was, although we dug deeper on a lot of characters, there were over half the cast was not featured in this episode Mm -hmm. at all. So because we didn't have a reward challenge and we only had one opportunity to really get everybody together, and because we were focusing so hard on a few individual storylines, once again, characters like Heather, I would say this might have been the least Heather we've ever gotten, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, which is, and the bar is, is, is low. So... Although I I really, really did enjoy this episode, and I definitely thought, like, with characters like Liana, for instance, we got more from her than we've gotten all season. I do feel like from the edit side, there still is a little bit of an imbalance between really rounding out the cast. Not that this has never happened on the show before. I mean, this is, you know, constantly an issue, and I, I recognize there are a lot of players to sort of give time to, but I do think that, like, this definitely was the Shan show. And not to say that's a bad thing, but this was the Shan show that we watched. Yeah, I think that the problem with 41 so far has been the treatment of Luvu on the show, the Blue Tribe, right? Yes. So because they have been winning, they because they have never gone to tribal, we don't know them really. Like we've only gotten little snippets of what's going on in terms of their camp life and in terms of their strategy and in terms of their dynamic. Like I still don't really know how they interact with one another. Um, and 
that is unusual because you know if if we're looking at this in terms of winning and losing this is our winning tribe and yet we have no reason to root for them or want them to win right. or lose but we're just not invested i do recall you know with the karor tribe on uh palau we had the same issue um, yeah to an extent. i literally was i literally was thinking about that exact thing yeah so all of a sudden we really we, know the karor tribe right so we got to like stephanie's going over and merging and we pretty much know Stephanie and Tom and a handful of others. But I think one of the challenges of a season in which you have a winning tribe is winning is great, um, but it makes it more challenging for the edit, especially because there's typically less turmoil at camp because you're making less strategic decisions when you don't feel like you really have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. so let's get straight into the episode. Uh, right off the bat, we are celebrating getting to day 10 in Survivor. <laughs> so it's a big milestone. Yeah. Uh, it was a little unusual, but okay, I understand. You know, they're, uh, they, you know, they could be saying, oh my God, we made it to, it's almost the merge. Like yeah. typically we'd be merging at 12 and right now we're at 13. Uh, but it's just funny to hear day 10 thrown out like it's a, a huge milestone because really that would just be three people voted out typically. We also got later on, not to jump ahead, but Jeff commenting on how it's one of the hottest days ever. Meanwhile, yeah. no one has even a bead of sweat on their faces. <laughs> and we've seen Jeff soaking through his shirt before with sweat. So anyway, but yes, day 10, we did it for harder, hardest season ever. Yes. Yeah. So Jeannie goes idol hunting over at the Ua camp because they know that Brad's Beware Idol uh, has to be hidden somewhere. This was interesting because I think we commented last week that there was not really any talk about what happened to Brad's Beware Idol. So Jeannie goes looking for it and finds it and then literally runs (laughs) to Mm. tell Shan and Ricard about it. I don't know if that was the best move for Jeannie. I think this was really interesting, what's going on at the Ua tribe, because there's three people left. And typically when we have a tribe with three people left in it, there's not really any strategizing to do, because of course it would be a final three in most cases, uh, aside from a couple of instances, like in like in Philippines, like in... Um, Palau. <laughs> it was escaping me. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's tricky here because there's, you know, you have to play your cards, but there's only so many people you can play your cards with. What did you think about Jeannie going to Ricard and Shan with this information? It definitely didn't seem like the most obvious of moves, but in sort of thinking about potentially, potentially, in thinking about potentially what we didn't see, I think in their mind, they might have gotten hyped enough to think, we are going into this next challenge, we are going to win. And she sort of saw it as, okay, I'm on the bottom of this totem pole right now. This idol can either be the thing that if kept hidden, moves me to the top, or I can play a different game in which I reveal my whole deck we're not even going to tribal, nothing even to worry about on that front. And this really solidifies us as a three as we move into the next phase of the game. That's giving her a lot of like strategic credit that I'm not sure exists, but the only, the only way I can see it being a logical move is just to say, I really want to make sure that I cement these other two with me. I recognize that I'm going to be ousted if we lose. And I don't think we're going to get into that position. I guess. But then I keep thinking, well, if they were going to lose, wouldn't she want that idol? Because what her vote wouldn't matter anyway. Yeah. Well, the thing that I did think was 
kind of smart from Jeannie's perspective here was that she didn't want to open it, right? Mm -hmm. And I get that because she knows that Yasa is the only other tribe to have found theirs. They're not sure whether Luvu has found it or not, or if they're even looking for it, and neither are we at this point. And so in a tribe of three, you, of course, don't want to lose your vote in that scenario, especially if you're a genie, I think, who is, you know, left over with these two people who have been working together since the beginning. So I did think it was smart from that perspective. And so we see the three of them talking about what to do, and they all decide we're not going to open it. We are just going to put it back in its hiding spot and we'll deal with it later which I thought was really smart because I think the temptation to open an advantage is, I mean, it's everything that Survivor teaches you to do. You never pass up an opportunity, right? So I thought that this showed a lot of restraint from everyone on Ua until (laughs) the next scene when Jeannie goes out fishing and Shan and Ricard are immediately like, we need to open that. And Shan in particular really wants this idol. And we see her say, because she doesn't want anybody in her tribe to have more power than she does. So they decide to open it and they decide to replace the actual idol with, I think, Ricard's bracelet Uh, and rewrap it so that Jeannie is not going to know that they've opened it and hopefully they can play this in secret. Now, the trouble with playing in this in secret, of course, is that you have to say the coded phrase at the immunity challenge in order to activate it. And so Ricard comes up with this brilliant idea, I think, of pitching to Jeannie that they're going to say the phrase just to see if Luvu has found theirs. And then they can make their next move based on that. If Luvu has theirs, then they can go and open the idol and then activate it at the next challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Genie seems to eat that up. So I thought that that was really, really clever. I have a question. Mm-hmm. So that is a brilliant strategy, but makes me think, you don't even need to have found the advantage to utter that phrase at the next tribal to find out if the other two have the idols. And if they utter, had they not opened it at all and just said, you know what, I bet you it's still the same phrase. Let's just try it out again to see if the other two have it. The other two would then be led to believe that they have an active idol that does not work. That's correct. And so I don't even know how that would, I mean, that is, that would be like strategizing on top of strategizing, but like that to me was the most interesting possible play. So yeah, I guess I don't I have a question. It was more just that. like something I was thinking about was like, I thought that when they opened it, they, it was going to be a new phrase, but in realizing it was the same, I was like, if you're them, you don't even need to open that advantage at all. Uh, just repeat the phrase to, for fun, find out if the other two have it. And on top of gaining that information, you now know two people that are in possession of a fake idol that they think is real. And isn't that, in so many senses, more to have two people that you're aware of having fake idols that aren't real, isn't that almost more powerful than you yourself sharing uh, three idols amongst you know two strangers, essentially, in the game? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I wonder what would happen in that scenario. Because... Mm. Because they're like falsely, like they're being made to think, it's almost like a, it's tricky because they're strategizing in a way that's like, 
the other two tribes couldn't anticipate. And it's a little bit like, well, the phrases were said. And once the, the phrases, phrases said, were said, yeah. Cause like, can't the phrases being said activate whether or not someone has opened it? But that's because the it tricky has been thing. Opened. Brad's opened it. Right. But just because somebody hasn't currently opened it, I feel like because they know the phrase and they say the phrase, it should still activate. But that's and then the one you... that's the one that's unopened should be activated. And so as soon as you get back to camp, you run and get it. Like that's how I think it should work, but it probably doesn't work that but way. But if it doesn't, but if it works the way that you just described, it makes it that there's no reason why they would unwrap it and take any of the loss until. Exactly. So it gives, well, again, it gives them an advantage where it's like they already, you were saying before, it's like that they used a lot of, um, I forgot the word you used, but in not opening it, that they were restraint. And it's like, actually, there's a world in which they weren't using restraint at all. They were just using the logic of, well, we already know what's in there. We don't need to open that and take the consequence of opening it. Yeah, I think this is the problem that Survivor's having this season with their advantages and the secrecy that they are trying to uh, shroud these advantages in. Because you look at, for example, this uh, with the phrases. The intention, I think, with the phrases was that nobody would ever know them except the people who opened the advantages. But that's not how Survivor works. So they told their allies, people in the game know about this. In fact, many people who are not idol holders know about these phrases. Deshaun knows about it from Luvu, despite him not finding the idol. Uh, Everybody on Yasa knows about the phrases. Uh, Now everybody on Ua knows about the phrases. And so the, yeah, I just... I think that they thought it would be secret between three people. And then same with the prisoner's dilemma. It's like, I think that they thought that all of those decisions were going to be made in secret, where in actual fact, the way that the players have played it is that they're, they say on the mountaintop, like, well, we know how this works ever since episode one. So here's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to give you this thing where I think they really thought it was going to be like rolling the die and seeing what happens. Like you're really taking a risk. Whereas They've actually just discussed what they're going to do, and they do what they say they're going to do. So, anyways, uh, let's catch up with Luvu quickly. We see Sydney uh, spearfishing, which uh, you know, you know how we feel about Sydney, but I will give it to her that we very rarely see a woman going out and spearfishing, and she's successful at it. So she says she's successful at it. Well, she says she caught nine fish, but I, I would have loved a little a, guppy on her spear. I was going to say, I would have loved a <laughs> shot of those nine fish. I'm not doubting that she caught them. I'm just saying typically <laughs> when someone comes back with a triumph, you know, we see something. Even if they come back with like a little minnow, we see it on the end of the spearfish. And we see like the tribe responding to it. So it was just a little bit of a showing us moment, but, or excuse me, telling us moment, but not showing us. Yeah, yeah. So we see the same old story over at Luvu. Deshaun is trying to persuade Danny to throw the challenge again. And they pitched the idea to Nasir this time, and he's not down for it. We already saw him step in on the last challenge that they tried to throw and win it for them. Uh, This time he said, it's ugly to throw challenges. And he also said that people who throw challenges never go to the end, which is not true. (laughs) You know, Ozzy threw a challenge in uh, Cook Islands to get Billy voted out, and Ozzy came in second place. So... A move that he regrets. A move that he regrets, but but nonetheless, it worked he out did just it. fine for yep. him. It just hey, Billy could have stayed in that game and voted Ozzy out at some point. It's true. He, you know, Ozzy said Billy is a big fan of the game and a strategist. So uh, we'll never know. Yeah, I, I think it worked out for the best. So 
the thing that's interesting about this, so basically Nasir quashes this idea of throwing a challenge. And they're so dead set on throwing this challenge to get rid of Erica, who, I mean, we discussed this last week. Not a threat. Not a big threat. Uh, at least objectively speaking. I don't know what's going on on the tribe. But they're convinced that if somebody on Luvu has the idol, it's Erica. And we have no idea why they would think that. Why Why Erica? Is it that she's like off on her own all the time? Has she been idol hunting? Like, we just have no idea what's going on with this tribe. And I think that's a mistake. Yeah, it's definitely tricky, especially because we don't get any Heather at all. So on top of not understanding the move against Erica, I don't have a sense of like the overall tribal dynamic at play. I obviously get the uh, understanding that Deshaun and Danny are tight. That's one thing I'm clear on. Um, but wasn't there a moment last week when Deshaun said something about Sydney? And maybe I'm making this up because I thought for a moment that they were a three, but then I realized that there was some dissent around Sydney um, overall it seemed like from the tribe and even in this episode with them kind of going to Nasir it's sort of seemed to say okay well maybe this is a three and it's been a three all along and we haven't been seeing it but I definitely think the one thing that Nasir didn't say but which is which is a good reason not to throw the challenge is if you're Nasir and you're not in super tight with those guys I would assume that they want to throw the challenge to get me out hmm like, I'm a physical yeah. threat. I'm contributing a lot. I have a lot to offer to this game moving ahead. Um, and I don't necessarily know if they know that they have Nasir's loyalty, being that Sydney snitched on Nasir in episode one and said, hey, he came back and tried to call mm-hmm. the two of you out for this idol. So if anything, there needs to, there should be some weariness between these guys. And so mm-hmm. I would not be into throwing this challenge either from Nasir's perspective. I think he made the smart move. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, Nasir, I really like Nasir and I just wish I knew where he fell in this group. Like you say, like what I would love to see is Nasir and Heather and Erica come together. I think I said this last week and, you know, be pitted against Danny, Deshaun and Sydney. Like that seems to be, that's my ideal tribe dynamic there, but we just have no idea what's going on. And Deshaun and Danny seem to be good with everyone. So I kind of feel like they're the ones controlling that tribe. I feel like they could go to anyone. They're obviously likable. People are going to them with information. They are Um, likable, but it's like, how many times on this show do we see two alpha males from the outset lock eyes on day one and just carry it through to the end without ever, like, without ever questioning one another's gameplay or in many cases ever having anybody else question whether or not to break them up. So I will say I'll be curious to see with the merge, whatever's coming, if anyone looks at the two of them and how locked in they are, because it does seem like they're one of the strongest duos in the game right now. And, you know, we have other duos like Ricard and Shan, for instance, but the two of them really are physical threats moving forward Mm -hmm. in the game. And if they're protecting each other at all costs, someone, and it sounds like we've got some strategic players in this game, but someone's got to look at them and say, we need to break up this duo. Yeah. Uh, I'm not big. I'm not a big fan of the Danny and Deshaun duo because, because of something that happened in this episode, not because they're aligned with Sydney doesn't help, but that's not the reason it's the, well, there must be a women's alliance because it's always men going home. I think there's women's alliances on the other tribes. And if we see another man go home, that means there's a woman's alliance. Like, did you not watch Heroes versus Villains? 
Also, you know what I mean? Like what like what is with men being afraid of non-existent women's alliances? It's bizarre. On this but show. very but very, very telling. Exactly. And you know, to <laughs> To their credit, there is a woman's alliance on Yasa, but that's another story. There is, but also, but 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 not for nothing. It's like the options right now are so limited mm-hmm. in terms of who goes that it's like, yes, there is a, a women's alliance, but I also think it's not. It's different than it being a tribe of two and you having ten people on one side and the five women coming together and yeah. being like, we're gonna knock out the men one by one. It's just a really different dynamic to sort of make any like any data you're going to collect about this season in the survivor canon is skewed by the fact that there's three tribes. So just like a big decision is just automatically, all decisions seem a lot bigger, I should say, because of the fact that like, you're going to rock the boat significantly, no matter what, especially as these weeks go on, just because the lack of options. So everything seems like you're blowing up the game in some way when really it's just like, it was between you and one other person and one's a male, one's a female. Okay. We went with a male. It's not because they're the male necessarily. Um, but yeah, like you said, at the end of the day, LOL, they do have a women's alliance, but also Evie might have, or Evie might have something with Xander that is a fine, even, even, and even more authentic too than we know of so far. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. getting, getting Absolutely. sidetracked. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about that then because we see Evie over at the Yasik camp, uh, playing Xander seemingly to make him feel like they're a tight duo. So they're going on this walk to the water well and we're getting this confessional from Evie. And I have to take the confessionals at face value. You know, I know they're edited. I know they're stringing together a story. You can tell when they've chopped up the lines to put together a new sentence that was never said. But we have to, you know, this is a story that's being fed to us. So we have to take it at face value. Evie is saying that they feel like Xander is on the outs of the three women alliance and that Evie wants to make Xander feel like Evie and Xander are number ones. This is where we start to get Xander's dummy edit because you get this incredible sequence where Xander and Evie are talking about how Xander should tell one of the girls about his idol so that, you know, at least at least Evie and Xander can have a third. Um, and seemingly that's because Evie is tricking Xander into thinking that they're closer to Xander than to Tiffany and Liana. Um, and then meanwhile, Tiffany and Liana are sitting back at camp and talking about Xander. Now, they already know Xander has an idol. They already know from episode one that Xander has an extra vote from the Prisoner's Dilemma Island, which which he pitched as something that the tribe can use when they need it, uh, which, of course, is probably not the way that that's going to play out. I mean, hard to say, but uh, it's not how I would play it. So they know that Xander's already stacked with advantages, and Tiffany finally suggests going through Xander's bag. And so Liana starts rummaging through Xander's bag while Evie and Xander are over at the water well. Tiffany is keeping watch and Liana finds Xander's extra vote and also finds the rules for the three-way idol. And so she reads the rules, but Tiffany doesn't read the rules. I think this is important because remember when Xander found the idol and Voce went home and Tiffany was so confused, as we all were, about the rules of the three-way idol and she was concerned that Xander's idol had power and that it didn't need to be activated. Um, 
So Liana reads the rules, conveys them back to Tiffany. It's all information they already know. Great. So they've confirmed Evie's story, basically. Now Xander comes back and starts to put his plan into action. He wants to tell Tiffany as the third of Evie, Xander, and Tiffany, right? That he has the idol. And he wants to specifically exclude Liana. And I don't know why this is. I wish we got a little bit more insight into that uh, because... Liana, remember, has been the one who's been weary of Xander, was crying because they voted out uh, Voce instead of Xander, uh, felt like she lost her big move. So maybe maybe there's some tension between them or Xander can sense that Liana's not crazy about him. So all of that to say, he pulls Tiffany aside. The second he pulls her aside, she starts the performance of her lifetime, uh, performing for the cameras. Tiffany does this great thing where... She acknowledges the Survivor crew in a way that I don't think anybody else ever has on this show. She's constantly, and I feel like it's such a natural thing that it endears me to her because if you're on a tribe, right, you've got, uh, she's got three other people with her all the time, but she's also got God knows how many other people on the beach with her, camera people, producers, like whatever, we constantly see Tiffany turning to the cameras or speaking speaking to someone off screen or in the direction of someone off screen. And I think it's so funny and endearing. So anyways, she's going on this walk with Xander where he's he's like, hey, I found something, blah, blah, blah. I found it. This I just found it when we were like looking for wood today. And the whole time, right beside Xander, she's looking in the camera and giving these like, uh what what the fuck ever kind of faces and it's so funny and so he starts to pull his idol out of his bag and the whole time he's rummaging around in his bag she's like mouthing things at the camera and anyways he shows her the idol he shows her the rules and as she's reading the rules she goes wait a second you've said this phrase before at challenges you've said this before you told me you just found this today and I think that Tiffany played this really well. This scene's going to be remembered for like the comedic element of Tiffany's reaction to the camera. But actually, I think it's important because Tiffany played this so well because when she says, she knows this, she, she knows exactly what's going to be told to her. She knows the whole story of Xander's idol. And yet she's taking it in like it's brand new information and when she catches him in the lie about finding it just now and like immediately telling tiffany basically and she says wait a second you've said this line before and he's like well yeah actually i lied and and instead of being like you're lying to me she kind of went i'm just so confused there's so much information here like she truly looked flustered she looked confused as confused as we were when we first found out about the idol and all of the rules that accompany it and i just think she played it so well and he really thought that he was in full control of that interaction besides getting caught in the lie and even when he got caught in the lie he said what like well tiffany's job is to deal with delinquents and and forgive them like no you you suck xander uh anyway do you have anything to say about this scene i feel like i've been ranting about it no i mean it was obviously as you said it was like it was really entertaining and i definitely think like tiffany is stepping into the role of tiffany very nicely if you will i think one thing that confounds me about tiffany is i'm just not sure about her 
intelligence in the game. I'm not saying intelligence outside the game, to be clear. Um, in that, you know, as you mentioned, like she was very confused by the how the advantage works now not for nothing we all were as well but she didn't see this was episodes ago she didn't seem so Mm -hmm. keen on like getting to a place of understanding it's like yes it's very confusing and it's your job to like untangle it for in your like for yourself right it's like you need to understand it despite the fact that it's confusing and so sometimes with tiffany i'm just not sure how much she is leaning on evie and liana to sort of to bank on the fact that, well, she's in the majority, so she can kind of get a little cocky at this point, which is Mm -hmm. great. But I'm just curious, like Tiffany backed into a corner, what the gameplay would be like. So I definitely think it's fun to see these last two episodes for Tiffany. We had last week when she really proved her prowess and challenges. And now this week when it's like, we get a little bit of like strategy with, you know, a broad comedy, if you will, which is really fun to watch. But I am curious moving forward, like, how Tiffany can handle people that are coming after her. Cause we've seen instances where like a person is coming after Tiffany at tribal and she's got to shoot them down. But I'll be interested to sort of see like once things get mixed up some more, how strategic Tiffany is because these moves right now, it's like, yes, she was acting and everything, but she's got the upper hand no matter what. And it's more a matter of how she wants to play the upper hand There's not a lot of stakes Mm -hmm. here Um, because she can play dumb for Xander or she could have gone in and been like, dude, I know everything. Like, and she, dude, I'm I'm bringing, I'm giving you my Reem impression. Um, So (laughs) yeah, I thought it was fun though. And it's just, again, there are multiple instances in this episode where a thing happens. Again, I've only seen 38 seasons of the show. So there's a chance it could have happened in 39, 40. But I think that there are things happening that have never before happened on the show one of them, as you mentioned, which is this sort of like turning to the camera so often and sort of just, inc- you, you know, part of me is like she's doing it for us at home. But as you sort of mentioned, I also think she's just doing it for the crew. Because um, again, we've all been in COVID and locked up and it's just like she's got someone else to sort of like deliver for. But I, regardless of who it's for, it's something we haven't seen before. And I find that fun that uh, at 41 seasons into this game, we're getting things both on the editing side um, and in this moment with Tiffany, for instance, where it's like, okay, I haven't seen that before. And that's fun. Hey, Jeff said that they're going to be breaking the fourth wall this season. Maybe he was referring specifically to Tiffany. It's just Tiffany. Tiffany's the wall breaker. (laughs) Well, because Jeff has stopped. They've stopped with Jeff. I feel like they filmed it all with Jeff. They played the first two episodes. He got red and they've cut it out from the next episodes because it was never necessary. We're going to need at some point, and that point is not today, we're going to have to break down Jeff Probst in season 41 because we got the Jeff of the premiere episode, which was its own performance. And then we've gotten the subsequent Jeffs. And I just think there's a very different... Actually, I was going to say very different, a a subtly different Jeff this season that's worth dissecting at some point. Now he's got these shoes. Have you seen his shoes? I have. Yeah, I have. They're white. Yeah. They're almost glow in the dark. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, I just think, uh, you know, to put a bow on this Tiffany conversation, I think Tiffany is an absolute star. We've said it before. I'll say it again. It's exactly the kind of person I want to see that play this game. It's the exact right age. I think we need more quote unquote older women playing this game. I just think they're fascinating. I think we need even older women playing the game with a chance to stay in longer. Um, 
I think that the life experience Tiffany has, her job, uh, her just her wit and her cleverness in terms of work, like speaking to people and interacting with people, uh, is such a breath of fresh air. She's not acting for the cameras. I mean, she is literally acting for the cameras, but she's not putting on an act for the cameras. Uh, she's not creating a reality TV persona that she thinks she's going to uh, use as a springboard for something else. She's just being her. And I really, really appreciate that. And I think it's psychotic that she was an alternate and that she only got on because the person that she was an alternate for got COVID. I can't imagine the season without Tiffany. No, not at all. So let's move on to the immunity challenge. Not a whole lot to say here, but there's a couple highlights. First of all, Ricard expertly sets Shan up to say the phrase, saying like she's a vegan and she can't stop thinking about food. She delivers the broccoli line perfectly in a way that Brad could never. Then Ricard expertly tosses to Xander. Like who needs Jeff Probst at this point? We've got Ricard. He says, Xander, haven't you been talking about ladybugs or something like everybody's saying crazy stuff xander repeats his phrase and now we've got the goop so the goop we think okay you know same old nothing's going on at luvu nobody's looking up for anything at luvu jeff uh continues with the challenge before getting stopped by nasir who delivers the i'm as confused as a goat on astroturf line and then we get a flashback we're sucked out it's a very lost moment uh, where we get a flashback to Nasir finding the idol. It's sort of like pitched as him finding it that morning. That I'm unclear about because, and I want to talk about this because we know Nasir found an idol. His shirt in the scene where he finds an idol is very clean. And I don't know what his shirt normally looks like because we never see that tribe. (laughs) Mm. But it's very clean, and I have to wonder when he found that idol. And maybe I'm just like, maybe I'm creating a conspiracy theory here that doesn't need to be created. But is it possible that Nasir found the idol and has been hanging on to the phrase until the other two phrases are said? Is that possible? No, because they were said. They were said when Brad was there. Uh, there's been one challenge in between when Brad said his bad broccoli line right. to when Shan says the correct broccoli line. Right, there's right, right. One tribal in be- or sorry, there's one immunity challenge in between where Uwa doesn't say their line. So is it possible that he found it before that and was waiting for the other two to say it first to ensure? Well, what's he ensuring? No, I've talked myself out of it. He probably found it that morning. <laughs> Someone's doing laundry over at the Luvu camp. That's that's the conspiracy theory's over. I do just gotta say though, once again, I know we've talked about this. His line is by far the easiest. And so it's Easy. like it fit in so seamlessly when it's like you have these randos talking about, you know, broccoli and, and whatnot, and then he can just come in there and be like, I'm confused. Uh-huh. And it's like, uh-huh. yep, it makes sense that you'd be confused. I wish, not to derail from the Nasir thing, but real quick, I do wish we got a little bit more of the reactions of everybody else during all of this because mm. we're at the fifth week in which we're repeating phrases at mm-hmm. the immunity challenges. And like, do they all think this is batshit crazy? Does everyone know what's up and we're just not seeing it? Like, And also in that moment when Nasir said it and unlocked it, 
there should have, I mean, I'm, I imagine there were reactions from lots of people, both the two players whose idols are suddenly active idols, and then also everyone else who's in the know about what that means, and also knowing how this changes their gameplay moving forward. I mean, this has a significant impact on the uh, female alliance over on... Yasa. Yasa. God, it'll come to me one day. You know, so there are a lot of implications by these idols suddenly coming into play both for the idol holders and for those in the know that I think that, I mean, you know, granted, we might start off episode six, not you and I, but the show itself, where it's like dealing with the aftermath. But still, I just mm -hmm. was like, this is a big, 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 big moment that was built up, I would say, pretty successfully over five episodes. It, I definitely, had this not happened in this episode, I would have deemed this a failure, but I do we think... We would be having a different conversation. Yeah, right but now. I do think it worked out very, very nicely and it benefited from the goopery because I kept thinking how different this would feel if we got the footage of Nasir finding the idol and then had to come and like watch the theatrics play out. It's really fun yeah. watching it uh, play out the way it was played out here. I did love getting gooped here. It's a, it's a fine line with Survivor on getting gooped because so often they goop us in a vote and that's annoying right. because the whole point of the show is to know what's going through these players' minds and when they specifically show us what's not going through the players' minds to trick us into... It, it, trick us before going to tribal and, and, and seeing what is actually going on. I hate that. But there has been like, and there's been very few moments of gooping in terms of advantages and idols. And the only one that I can think of off the top of my head is when Amanda finds the idol in Micronesia and I think uses it to get Alexis out. But remember, it was buried at camp and it was like unclear whether or not she was going to get it because she had just gotten back from exile. And uh, we see like she's about to start digging or she's going to try to dig, but we don't see what happens until she... Uh, pulls it out at, at tribal and you know swinging it around mm -hmm. i think it's when she says about that jeff it's a great great moment for amanda Any, anything else to say about amanda no <laughs> <laughs> where do i begin anyways i think this was a great goop i really like it got me uh i really enjoyed it i thought it was really fun and it was like a good way for this uh three-way idol beware idol stuff to finally come to an end or like come to the next chapter where these idols are now active one other thing about the beware idols they never showed us that there were idols in those packages until mm. this episode right it was always a piece of paper which i thought like oh are they going to get their idol in tree mail or something after it's active but there's an actual idol in there and we've never seen it that's until in, this episode that's also interesting in that people could for those that don't know about yes. it, they could use it as a foil of like, you know, who's to know it's not an active idol. So that's interesting that we would never see it uh, be shown off because it has a lot of yeah. power, even if it's not activated. Yeah, totally. Or it could be found in somebody's also, bag without the instructions that's and people true. think that it's real. Or you could give it to somebody else for a vote yes. as something and be like, I'm giving you my idol for this vote as a sign of trust, meanwhile. So yeah, I, that's interesting to think about. Sort of the ways in which it could be strategized using the fake idol. Or the, yeah, the, yeah. the not yet active idol, if you will. And I know that not all of the Survivor crew could go to Fiji for 41 because of the quarantine rules. And it looks like they've lost... Uh, uh, their prop crew because that idol doesn't look great 
It doesn't. <laughs> it does not. It's a string with some blocks on it. It's bizarre. Anyway. Uh, okay, so back to the challenge. We play a, a pretty standard challenge. I'm not even going to get into it. Uh, Boring but challenge. I will, I will say this. Heather is not playing. She's on the bench again. But I just want to shout her out because she cannot contain her excitement. She's literally standing on the bench this time with her arms in the air, screaming. And uh, and it's because of them that Luvu uh, wins immunity. Yes. And oh, absolutely. But Heather's been, Heather keeps posting on Instagram. I don't know if you see this, but it, like a where's Waldo? Yes, where's you Heather? sent me one. Yes. And she, she did one. She did one yesterday, too, like right before the episode. Hey, I get it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I, and again, I think another huge disadvantage of not having um, separate immunity and reward is just like by separating it, you have a chance to see everyone play. And because you can sit out the same person every week. There's just mm-hmm. there's a world in which Heather never plays. It. I mean, it it hasn't played out this way as we saw last week. But there's a world in which a player like Heather never has to play until the merge, and I just think that's a bummer from the edit perspective, and also just from like it it makes the assumption that the show too often does, which is maybe not the show. Maybe this is just you know emblematic of society playing out on the show. But it's like this assumption that because she does not appear to be a physical threat that she should not be given the opportunity to play in these challenges. So it's just, and you know, for all we know, Heather's like, Hey, I want to sit this one out. You know, we don't know, but nonetheless, I just think it's, it's disappointing, especially when you have a tribe that you're never seeing around camp to then get to the challenge and be like, well, at least we can see our girl now. And it's like, she's at the bench. But as you mentioned, at least we get her presence and what that brings in terms of, you know, turning, tipping the scales, but just, my end note is just more Heather. I think it's unfair that they can sit Heather out so much because that's how they keep winning. Look, if Heather was in the challenge, maybe they wouldn't have won. Look what happened last to week. Go to tribal. So they kind of get the benefit of going to tribal and getting rid of a quote unquote weak player without ever having to do it because they can just sit their weak player out every challenge. And therefore, just continue to win. Now that said, you know? we've had this. We, we this issue has played out on past seasons before. Um, it's not the first time because we've had, yeah. especially when you move into the 30s, you get a lot less reward challenges being separated out from immunities. But yeah, that is definitely one of the difficult things is you never have to work around your air quotes weak player. You can just mm-hmm. simply bench them every time and only play your strongest players. That, although there is something interesting about how that then takes things into the merge when you have players that have never played in challenges before suddenly playing challenges. The delight would be if someone like a Heather suddenly shows up in the challenges on the back half this season and just is sweeping immunity idol after immunity idol. Um, That would be very rewarding. Yeah. Don't think it'll play out, but it would be. The only other thing I want to mention from this challenge is the slow motion shot of Ricard. Yes. So, you know, I, I feel like they've been very selective in their use of these slow-mo cinematic shots, right? Which they used pretty heavy in the first episode right. and then just here and there since then. And so we get this great slow motion shot of Ricard, uh, you know, launching a whatever beanbag from his slingshot. Um, <laughs> I don't know if those are the right words. Uh, and it, like, it's, it's a stunning shot. He looks great. The necklace flies up, you know, it's like, it's very cinematic, but then he misses the target and it's like, I don't know why they, why did they do this? Why would they do that? Why show that? Uh, like 
it was confusing. I feel like they did Ricard a little dirty there. Uh, was that like some kind of foreshadowing to how his game is going to go? Is he shooting his shot and missing just by a little? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know why they included this. I also just do want to point something out about that end part of the challenge. And this is, you know, this happens all the time on Survivor where you have the, often the men come in and like finish out the challenge because it's something that requires a lot of upper body strength in terms of flinging something. I would like to see a challenge like this play out like the reward challenge did last week and have it be, here are three things on a stand that you have to knock over whatever each one of you has to take out one I think that would do a lot yeah. of things outside of making the challenges just more entertaining it would even the playing field more because even if a tribe had the majority of the strongest people it's you're only as strong as your weakest link which was exactly the issue that they had last week with Heather where it's like they could not complete the challenge because of Heather and Heather alone I would like to see more of that on the show because I think it I mean, for all the obvious reasons, I don't have to say why. It makes sense. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I just, I, I, I've said this before, I think, on other episodes that are not our recap episodes, but there's nothing that makes my gears grind more on Survivor than watching the, ma- the man come in and, like, finish out the challenge. Um, I just, I, yeah. And then it seems like it's either a situation like this often or a puzzle because puzzles, you know, signify gender neutrality to Survivor, um, which is, yeah. like, anyone can hop in and do it. But... Nonetheless, I thought this was an extremely boring challenge um, and felt inevitable from the outset. But credit to the cast and the editors that a very lukewarm challenge and a very obvious tribal council still made for such a good episode, which I think just goes to show, and one of the things I really do love about this show, where it's like, yes, there's the gameplay components of the show, the actual challenges in tribal, but there's everything in between. And I think that can enrich the show in such a way that it the challenges and tribals end up not really mattering, not being very consequential. And that to me is the joy of Survivor. Yeah. Well, that's the benefit of a great cast. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's what we have here. So Yasa wins, Luvu comes in second, and Ua is about to mat sing here. They are about to go down to two people. And hopefully they're not going to oolong. I don't know what's going to happen next episode. But uh, they're about to mat sing. Now, Yasa, as the winner, gets to choose two people to go to the Prisoner's Dilemma Island on their little journey, and they choose Shan and Liana. And that gives us uh, a really interesting sequence. So we have Shan and Liana going to the Prisoner's Dilemma Island, making their you know, pointless trek up the mountain, which here we have a great example of how that can be really interesting because they bond they seriously bond on this trip. Uh, so we have them bonding over being uh, women of color in the game. They say that they want to play together. Uh, they say that it will be assumed by other players that they're working together because they're two young black women. And so that they have to be super careful as a result of that. And they share a lot of information about their respective tribe dynamics the advantages, the idols, who has them. Uh, and I just thought this was really interesting. I mean, we saw Evie and Deshaun kind of do this, but it was really Evie spilling to Deshaun because Deshaun had nothing to tell because nothing's happened at Luvu. Uh, so this was really fascinating because we've got two of, I mean, I have a lot of favorite players, but two of my favorite players in this season 
from different tribes connecting, sharing information, and truly making a secret alliance uh, that seems genuine and seems like something could come of it in the in the coming episodes. The one thing uh, I'm not sure about is exactly how much Liana shared with Shan, because what we saw a lot of was Shan sharing the dynamics of Ua. And she even says, look, if Ricard is here on day 12 and I'm not here, you cannot trust Ricard because it means he's voted me out and we've made an alliance together. I thought that was really interesting. See, yeah. But we don't really get to see, and maybe it happened, maybe it happened, but we're not seeing it. We don't get to see Liana really break down the dynamics of her tribe. No, and I do. I wrote down that that um, Shan quote. She says, "If by any chance I am not here on day twelve, Ricard cannot be trusted because he's my number one." And I was, I thought that was such an. I, I get what, how you just you just explained it, but it was such an odd thing to hear because it's like, wouldn't you be like, if I'm not here, work with my number one, please? Because it doesn't mean just because. I I, I guess what she's saying is, if in the next vote that plays out, that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. but it's like her instructing. It's like, go after this person in my memory, but it's like, I don't even know you. So (laughs) it's just, it's a very strange thing to be like, trust me that if this person that I trust the most backstabs me, then you, and granted, you don't know me, cannot trust this person who maybe made a smart game move for themselves or, you know what I mean? Like it was just a, it was an odd way to articulate it in that, wouldn't you think it's like, I I would say to her, it's like, if Ricard, if I move forward in the game, excuse me, if for some reason I don't move forward in the game, you can trust Ricard. I don't know. I thought it was, I just was surprised by that. Yeah, well, I think it was the first sign of uh, trouble in paradise for Shan and Ricard this episode. Yes. I think they are working together out of convenience. <laughs> I think they work well together. Uh, but it's like that coworker that you work well with that you don't want to see outside of work. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like there's some tension there. And I think this is the first real sign of that. Uh, I, I thought it was a really interesting thing for her to say. But yeah, is it is it rooted completely in logic in terms of the strategy of the game? Maybe not. Um, so uh, uh, we get some backstory on Shan. We get her full backstory, which I'm surprised we hadn't gotten up till this moment. And it actually scared me a little bit because I thought, could Shan be going home tonight? Because we're really getting getting the full Shan experience over at Prisoner's Dilemma Island. And she's talking about losing her mother. Uh, She talks about how she became affiliated with a gang while she was put in the foster care system when she was a child. Um, So very emotional uh, moment between Liana and Shan. And they really seem to like make a pact together. Shan tells Liana, I'm going to protect my vote. You can have the advantage. Uh, and and Liana does get the advantage. So do you have anything else to say about this? I just want to point out one thing about it in looking at the difference between these two going versus week one when you had three men going and they were given the instruction to like get to know each other, blah, 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 and the conversations that played out versus here. I'm not trying mm. to like make it a conversation around gender, but I will. To say that, like, just there was so much more dynamism this week in watching these two there. It, there was so much about the game, but also so much more than the game itself. You know what I mean? Like, some stuff to really sink your teeth into. And I just feel like the reason that this moment was so rewarding was because of these two women. And I just think had it been... I think had we gotten another two guys going, or three guys as it was, as it was the first time... 
I just think the conversations are less, again, not all the time. I'm just saying what we've seen so far. This was just such a, this was such a scene that it was like, if you think Survivor is just a game of strategizing and backstabbing, there's more to it. There's more to get from it. And this was a great reminder that it's like, you have these characters like Shan that, and even Leon as well, um, that have more to offer to viewers than just their gameplay. And I think this is also a credit to the diversity casting. We have two, as Liana said, two young black women who want to look out for each other in the game. So often in Survivor history, we have one black woman on a season. Uh, They have nobody that they can align with. Uh, And it's just so, like, so I've got a couple of feelings about this. On one hand, I feel it's actually a shame that they're the only two black women because at the end of the day, they're still just two. Uh, We've seen how far that Shan and Ricard are able to go as two, but it is still just two. And I think Liana feels really uncomfortable on her tribe. And so it it will be nice if she's able to link up with Ricard and Shan potentially. Uh, But it's just like such a great moment to see them have this conversation and say, let's look out for each other. You know, we have things in common. And not only that, we have an emotional bond now. Like we've really connected. uh, It's not guaranteed that they're going to connect just because they're two young black women. Um, But they did. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, uh, I think this is the kind of thing that can happen when you have diversity casting. Yes. Imagine if there was another South Asian person uh, that Nasir could connect with and the kinds of conversations that they might have. Uh, you know, I, I think I think there's a lot of potential here. And it's it's like interesting. You know, I saw this tweet that was talking about diversity casting and they kind of said, like, when you've got 10 white people and 10 people of color, but the people of color are all of different backgrounds, that's still giving the white people the advantage in the game. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. diversity is. You know, you know, when one group is still outnumbers all of the other groups, uh, that is still not diversity. It's right? basically so, saying that all non-white people's experiences of life are the same, which is not true at all, as as all of us know. So yeah, it makes complete and total sense. Exactly. But so, but, but I w- you know, but I do want to point out though, I do think to the idea that these players can look out. Um, and even in the case of like the two of them, they're the only two black women in this game, but and still see that the cast that remains particularly is not majority white. Um, I do think is a, a better scenario, but I do, I do think this makes, uh, one look at a season like, uh, Cook Islands, uh, for all of its mm-hmm. flaws and say that there were some advantages there, um, from the idea that like, uh, diversity is, I mean, the execution, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but there there was some benefits in being able to have these tribes look around and see an entire tribe of their same race. Um, but one thing I wanted to point out real quick was, because I do think this episode cemented to me the fact that Chan is winning the game. And I think one of the exciting things about that possibility is not only does Survivor have only one black female winner, but two things that are significant about that winner. One, 
it happened in season four. So we haven't got it for a long time. And two, I would say she's one of the uh, least respected and most deserve and, and uh, uh, least respected, not in a good way. I'm saying this. It's like it's it's wrong. Um, was not asked back to come back to winners at war is often forgotten in the canon of great players of the game, especially great winners. So needless to say, I think one of the exciting possibilities that they probably observe in one of them winning is not just the idea of having uh, another black woman win this game for the first time, but also just like putting some respect on the black female winners of the game. And I hope what it would be so exciting. I, I don't know. I look forward to the day. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but when Shan and Vesepia can sit down and do a winner's discussion together, I'm mm. putting that out in the universe. I just think it's, um, okay. it's not just the lack of black female winners, but it's sort of the treatment of the black, and the fact that we even have to say the black female winner, that's in itself upsetting. But the idea that she's not sort of, uh, given her treatment. Anyway, all this to say, go back and watch Survivor Am uh, Amazon. Go back and watch Survivor Marquesas. Vesepia is uh, a queen. Yes. I don't see Shan winning this show. Interesting. Uh, and we don't need to get into that yeah, right yeah, now. Because uh, I know this is going on a little long already for a very predictable episode. <laughs> but uh, I, I could see Liana winning the show. I, could I think Liana well. could be getting a winner's edit. Uh, she's had her ups and downs. And now she's got this potentially tight alliance. Uh, that is secret. Uh, I just think Shan has come out too early, too strong. I see a Shan downfall at some point, just narratively speaking. I think if she won, it would be way too obvious, although they've had obvious winners many times, so hard to say. Anyways, Liana gets this advantage. We need to talk about the advantage quickly. It is called the Knowledge is Power Advantage. I don't know who's naming these. I don't know if there's a writer strike at Survivor. Like, it's... It's not good. The The names are not good. Knowledge is power. So basically what this is, is that Liana can ask one player, do you have an advantage or do you have an idol? She asks at tribal. I assume after they vote, because Jeff has been saying at tribal, does anybody have an idol or an advantage you'd like to play? So I assume it's going to be after they vote, she can say, yes, Jeff, I want to play knowledge is power. And she can turn, for example, to Xander and say, Xander, do you have an idol? Uh, Xander has to say yes, or whoever she asks has to say yes if they have it. They have to be truthful. And if they have it, they have to give it to Liana. So it's basically stealing an advantage. And I hate this idea. I hate this advantage so much. Because it takes away everything. Like, it's just a free it's just a free-for-all for the most powerful item in the game the hidden immunity idol right and also the person that you're taking it from can't do anything they're in a can't do a like, thing yeah it's kind of like can't do it's a thing. another version of the idol nullifier in a sense only this is even worse because it's not Way only she's she taking someone's power she's also gaining a power that she didn't earn and it's again pitched as like the way that they seem to be wording it is like you're taking a big risk asking someone because of course, no one would tell you about their idol or advantage, like, but like everybody knows. She knows who has the idol. Yeah, we're not she knows new. who has, and she knows she knows that Shan has an idol now too. So she knows where two of the idols are. She would know. She would know Nasir's as well because he said the phrase. So actually, now I'm realizing she knows where all three idols are, and this is her free pass to just take them. Right. Yeah, it's especially tricky in this season, as you say, because it's like she has uh, 
there's just knowledge out there about who has idols based off of how mm-hmm. those idols can become powerful so it's like where the idol nullifier you have to it's a big guess and it's a big risk is it even going to be played who has it have they given it away blah 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 right so essentially she not only got a hidden immunity idol with that move but she also got the ability to you know potentially take out a player because in that sense she can rally people and be like vote for so and so and they'll be like oh they're gonna play their idol and she can be like nope i will yeah so yeah it's if like, she wants to, if she still wants to get rid of Xander, she's got a free pass to do it, no matter what happens. God bless. Yeah, I, I really hate this. I think it's, I think it's very detrimental to what makes the game fun. That's like instead of playing poker, they're playing go fish. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can't be deceitful. Like Xander can't say no. I, I no, I don't. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe if it was like you have to know that the person has the. It's not that you can ask them. That you just say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. How, I just think they just shouldn't have this advantage at all. It's as you That's, say. It's the that? idea that you can't get gameplay. Someone's coming to you yeah. with a gun and saying, put your hands up. You yeah. know? There's no option to be like, yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not a fun, not a fun twist. Yeah. So, okay. So over at Ua, ahead of Tribal, there's strategy going on. Of course, Shan is on Prisoner's Dilemma Island. So we get Ricard and Jeannie talking a lot about potentially voting Shan out. It's clear to me none of this is ever going to happen. Shan returns. uh, She has one-on-ones with Jeannie and Ricard. Jeannie tells Shan that Ricard's been gunning for her. And I I guess she may have had some hesitation that perhaps... Ricard might be gunning for her. I think we already heard that she certainly sees the potential that he could turn on her uh, when she told Liana that he couldn't be trusted if that was the case. Uh, And so she goes to Ricard for their one-on-one and says, uh, look, I'm feeling a little nervous. Can you give me back the extra vote? So she gave Ricard her extra vote, which she took from JD uh, when she opened up the idol in case she was going to lose her vote, right? Because if the idol wasn't activated, she wouldn't have a vote. Therefore, she gives it to Ricard. She can tell Ricard to use the vote for her in proxy, basically. Um, so she goes back to Ricard now that she still has her vote and says, hey, can I have that advantage back? Ricard digs his heels in and is like, no way. I am not giving back to you because why are you asking for it back? This is exactly what you said to JD before you voted him out. And in fact, he says, this is what I told you to say to JD. And we just see, I thought, a riveting conversation between two people who are clearly together. I feel like we don't see this kind of conversation very often where there's like truly dissension between tight, tight allies that doesn't result in them turning on one another. Um, so I thought that this was like a really, really fascinating back and forth and certainly foreshadows one of them turning on the other. I think at some point it's got to happen. I don't know. I, I don't see it that way. I see it more Hmm. as like a, uh, a familial argument. And I think that Ricard made a salient point, which is that like, I get how you're feeling. And I also need to show you the fact that the two other times you've been feeling this way has resulted in the person who you were feeling that way about getting ousted. So I, mm-hmm. I imagine, 
again, there's parts of this conversation we didn't see, but I imagine that once that was presented to someone as smart as Shan, she would understand Ricard's perspective there and being like, okay, now that you say it, I get, I get that. So, uh, and also just Ricard's reaction to Jeannie's oust, uh, the lack of surprise sort of told me the fact that like, I think that they had a little hiccup, but I, I, I didn't mm-hmm. see it as any kind of significant splinter. I found it more of like two powerful players not like kind of bucking up to one another and neither of them willing to fold. But I didn't think that it was like, to me, it was just them respecting one another by playing the game hard. That's how I, that's how I interpreted it. Yeah, I agree with you. But I do think that at some point, I think that's going to come to a head. Yeah. I just feel like I don't see them going to the end together. Perhaps. But I I also just feel like right now it's like they have no enemies to like team up and take out together you know what i mean so it it will be curious again once things get shaken up it'll be curious to see like if they function in the game as a duo yeah uh, for sure how that sort of plays out moving forward yeah uh so we go to tribal and it's a very very straightforward vote however i do want to you know reinforce here that seeing a three-person tribal is so exciting right it's so it's so basic and it's so like uh, primal, almost like there's three people and one of them is going home. Two are voting the same. I mean, they could have done a three-way tie, which would have been interesting, but two of them are voting the same. One of them isn't, and and that person's going to go home. It's like so refreshing, even though it's so predictable, the vote. It's like, this is why we need votes at the final four and the final three. It's just like so fascinating, this dynamic. And we haven't seen a three-person vote in a very, very, very long time. I can't even think of the last one. Hmm, I hadn't thought uh, about that uh, one. Maybe Philippines, Matt Singh. That's a long right? time. Yeah. I, there, I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. So yeah, just, just I thought a really interesting tribal considering uh, how predictable the vote was. One thing I want to point out is uh, that this at this tribal, we heard, I think for like the fourth time this episode, Ricard say that he is the strategist and that Shan is closing his moves uh, and that he is the brains behind the operation and he's letting Shan uh, do the performing of the uh, of the big moves. And he's clearly starting to get to a point where he's getting concerned about what his quote unquote resume looks like and and is concerned that Shan is getting the credit for moves that he sees as his moves. I think this is like, way too early for him to be uh, thinking about it no verbalizing it yes way too early to be verbalizing this kind of thing we are not even at a merge we don't even have a jury collecting you don't need to be performing for anybody right now you know as far as we know genie is not on the jury uh and so there's nobody there's nobody to yeah we don't need to say this right you don't need to tell us that you're the one who is the brains behind the operation. It's giving job interview. It's very like, (laughs) it's very like repeating like the same thing over and over in different ways to say like, I did this, I did, you know, and you take credit, you're like, I led this entire thing, but it truly is like, I think they really are a partnership. And I was thinking back to some of their moves and it really is like, sometimes it's Ricardo who throws it out. Sometimes it's Shan, you know, Shan did the legwork on the JD vote, but like they both kind of like tossed around ideas. Same with and looking at them opening the Beware Idol in this episode. It really was like a back and forth. Shan said she wanted it. Ricard figured out a way that they could get it. And I thought it was really smart of him to get 
her to open. I mean, she wanted to open it. He let her because if she opened it and it wasn't activated, she doesn't have the vote. He gets the extra vote. Suddenly he's in the power position. So it's really this like dance they're doing of who's sort of leading the moves. But I think Ricard's just getting a little too antsy too soon. So they vote. It is a two to one vote for Jeannie. They pull the plug on Jeannie Machini. She never really got turned on. And she goes home. Sad to see her go. Anything you want to say about Jeannie? I will say, though, before I go on, (laughs) before I pass it over to you, I'll say that this is, uh, I saw on Twitter, the first time a tribe has been majority queer. Hmm. That's an interesting little bit of survivor history there. It's only a three-person Yeah, I was going to say, it's a reach, but we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. Uh, Uh, So yeah, sad to see Jeannie go here a little bit. I just feel like she never really, she never really came into her own. Agreed. I mean, I I don't really have anything to add, but I do think we've gotten players that we've gotten far less from than Jeannie. Um, But again, I think it comes back to that move at the beginning with sharing the information about the idol. But at the same time, it's like, even if she didn't share it, the second she would have uttered it, they would have both known, but that, I mean, in theory, there is a world in which Jeannie would have taken the phrase, said it at Tribal, all three of them would have said it, Jeannie would have gotten an idol, been able to play the idol that night and take out Shannon Ricard. That's the one scenario in all of this that could be Jeannie's coulda, woulda, shoulda. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, pleasant, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, builds a mean fire, I hear. I don't think Jeannie's coming back for Legends. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think so, but maybe the reunion, maybe, maybe the reunion. Maybe. Yeah. We don't know how the reunion is going to work exactly. Yeah. So we get a little preview for the next time on survivor. We get some free promo cause Jeff says, drop your buffs and they Thank drop you. their Thank buffs. Uh, and then he insinuates that it's not a merge and we get some clips from people saying that uh, nothing like this has ever happened mm-hmm. before. Do you have any predictions about what could be coming next week? I'm, I, I don't necessarily, but I'm going to make a statement and maybe I'll have pie on my face next week. I don't see there being a thing that could happen that's never happened before. There's just only mm. so many formulas that can happen, which is either they go into two tribes, which has happened before. They do mm-hmm. a swap, which has happened before. What mm-hmm. are the other, just what are the options outside of that? Uh, they go into yeah. new tribes of three. I did. I did wonder. No, because that's a swap. That's happened. Before. No, but I'm saying no, they. Okay. No, 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 no. They've never had a, a three tribe swap. Oh, like three to three. Yeah, like keep it three, but just mix it up. With smaller tribes. Yeah, maybe. I'm just trying to think of scenarios that. that haven't played out before. Yeah, yeah, I know. I like what I thought was like. Is there some way you know where they're doing a false merge? They've done that before, right? So like, but but they're but being they would, told. Yeah, I was gonna say buff, they so it's not it. false. It's Plus, not false. that was like one time. Uh, I did wonder, like, are they, is it something where, no, because they're dropping their buffs. I was going to say, is it something where they're going to live in the same camp? But that's one world. Uh, So my only thought is that perhaps, perhaps they have more information, right? So it could be they're going to swap into two tribes because we're at 12. They could do two tribes of six. And maybe they're told you won't merge until there's six of you left or something. 
Like that would be interesting because I, I just keep going back. I say it every episode. I keep going back to Jeff saying there's going to be small tribes throughout the season, which is why I thought there would be a delayed merge. Now, what if that meant that at no time is there ever going to be a tribe bigger than six people? Is that something we'd want to see? No. No? no. I'm curious. I would. I kind of would like to see it, to be honest with you. I have always, always wanted to see a very delayed merge i don't know the number on like what the smallest merge has been but it can't have been less than nine or ten i don't think there's been a nine i don't know uh but i think it would be really interesting to see what happens i mean on one hand i hate it because it gives you the potential of having jury members voting on someone they've never played with which Mm -hmm. i don't like um but it's like kind of interesting to drag drag it out a little bit and just I just love to watch dynamics of tribes play out together uh, that's not what we're going to get because if there's a swap but it would be interesting to see them continue the tribal game to some extent uh, so that's a possibility that's the only thing I can come up with is that they're they're going to be told look you'll never be in a tribe more than six people uh, now it's time to go to two tribes and then when it's time to go to one tribe you know You'll know when it is. It's when there's six people left. But I'm probably wrong, as most of my predictions have been wrong. Okay, Evan, I know we're going a little long here, but I have at least one voice memo I want to play for you. We got some voice memos. First of all, thank you so much for your voice memos. We got some voice memos after our last episode. Love to hear them. They're so nice. Uh, It really means a lot to hear from people. It makes it feel less like we're speaking into the void. Uh, It's nice to see numbers. We're getting a lot of listeners and we love that. Uh, But we, you know, it's so much nicer to put a voice and a face to those numbers and be able to uh, talk to people about what they think of Survivor and, you know, like get a little bit of a variety of opinion going on here. If you want to give us a voice memo, ideal, ideal is right after you watch the show next week, send me a voice memo. Just DM me on Instagram. It doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be uh, a piece of art or anything. Just like your thoughts on the episode, questions about the episode, questions for us uh, so that we can include it in the episode about that episode right okay enough about that i have a voice memo a little bit more more broad what's up uh my name is jordan love the podcast i have a question who do you two think is the trade of the season and follow-up question who is your all-time survived crush love the podcast (laughs) wow i love this question you want to go first (laughs) Okay, uh, trade of the season. <laughs> ah, that's tough. I think for me, it has to be Danny. I think that Danny... See, I was very wary about Danny coming into this because he's an NFL player, blah, blah, blah. Not my kind of player. And it was like immediately... I think I said this in episode one. It was like, oh, he's... So he's very charming. He's got a really cute smile. He's obviously like hot. Uh, and then he had that like beautiful moment with Heather last week. And he just seems like a good guy. Uh, so I, I think I'm going with Danny. I'm going with Xander, um, but I don't have strong feelings about it. I don't, there's, yeah, there's not, okay. this is not a season in which I'm 
that's just not where my head is at with regards to this cast. It's not it's not to say they're not an attractive cast. They quite are. <laughs> I do think like this was a hot week for Ricard. I definitely um I like yeah, him in the that. Slow -mo, the yeah, the slow-mo. The slow-mo. Um so yeah, there's not but like in terms of there have been tradier seasons in which I find myself distracted during challenges um <laughs> looking at them. Um all time, can I guess yours? Oh, you can guess. Go ahead. I believe you're going to say Burton from Pearl Islands. Okay. Is that, that's not right? Well, it's a complicated question. <laughs> if the question was all-time trade, it would be Burton from Pearl Islands. Um, but the question was Survivor Crush. Oh, I right? see. Okay. Got it, got it, got it. So, like, uh, this is a, okay, this is a much bigger conversation than we have We'll do a whole today. episode at some point, but. But I would say, like, yeah, I have, I have my, like, top five hottest survivors ever probably five i don't know but like yeah burton's up there uh ewell is up there james is up there ethan is up there maybe dean from 39 wait you're too many people <laughs> stop saying names and sorry 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 but uh, like all of that to say all of that to say none of those are my survivor crush my survivor crush is brett <laughs> yeah you love brett i forgot this is brett from samoa brett from samoa yeah. Uh, who I've tried to get on Drop Brett. Your Buffs and does not want to talk about Survivor publicly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> T. Okay. I'm going to do two with an honorable mention to who's the guy that just won 38 for me? Chris. Chris. I'm going to give Chris a shout out because Chris is hot, but not my crush. I would say my crush would either be James, as you just mentioned. I think mm. James is. I, to not say James in a list of hottest Survivor players ever means the list is not correct. It's just mm -hmm. kind of like scientific. Um, mm -hmm. But my crush is and will always be, and my number one will always be Ozzy. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oh. Now, Ozzy more, I'm more in like the uh, Cook Islands Micronesia iteration of Ozzy. And Ozzy will even admit he was not at his like most attractive in Game Changers in particular. South Pacific, <laughs> I yeah, I was I was into it. That's fine. Um, yeah, Ozzy's just. I mean, I could I could go on and on, and I won't. But Ozzy's the full package to me in every sense: brains, beauty. Uh, he has it. It's not just physical for me with Ozzy, although it's deeply physical. Um, yeah, I mean, I would. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'll restrain myself. Over Ozzy. Ewell. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh wow. I just. I feel like Ewell is husband material. Agree. Agreed. No, no, no. Yes, you'll you'll is many things. Right. Sorry, I'm playing fuck Mary Kill. But right like now. in the scheme but of that's not of the my, question. Yeah, of my crushes. <laughs> Don't like we'll do our breakdown at one point. Yule's gonna go far, but Ozzy. Anyway, okay. Watch season forty one. <laughs> yeah, do love this question. Yeah, love more of question. this energy. Any? This is really our yeah. vibe. It's like yeah, we yeah, want to yeah. celebrate women and then just like make objectify, yeah, objectify men. men exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, I think I'm going to leave it there. We did get some other voice memos, but they're very dated to last episode. And so thank you for sending them, though. Continue sending. Please. Let's wrap it up then. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Sugar that was released yesterday. If you haven't listened to it yet, please go listen to it. It's so, so good. And she goes into so much detail about stuff she typically doesn't talk about on Survivor. So Go check that out and make sure you're subscribed to us so you don't miss our next interview and our next recap, which will come to you uh, next Thursday. And feel free to leave us a rating and review. We've been getting some reviews and they're very nice and we love to read a review. So DM, voice memo, review, subscribe. 
all the things. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.